welcome to our award-winning podcast, Auto Network Reports. And we have as our special guest today, Mr. Malcolm Hogan out of Jacksonville Automotive Academics. And as we were saying in the green room, we all hooked on cars. So we'll have Malcolm on in a minute or so to talk a little bit about uh, his business and his business model. Answer some questions from the panelists. Also, please show the panelists some love, some likes, some followers, some following, some subscribing to their social media channels. And you can find those names at the bottom of their video panel. If you know an African-American male that's 30 years or older, please make sure he visits his urologist and get that PSA exam. I always say it's that little prick that could possibly save his life. If you notice in the upper right or left hand corner, depending upon how you're looking at your screen, there's a QR code. You can scan that QR code or you can go to couponsoffersanddeals.com. There's a free registration where you can get access to coupons, offers, and deals that auto dealers will be listing in there very soon. Okay, here we go. Malcolm, good to see you, man. Yeah, good seeing all you guys. It's good to be here. Why don't you take a minute or so and talk a little bit about your business, how you got started? So, yeah, I've always been in the cars, you know, all my life, um, ever since I could, you know, mouth the, the word um, car. But um, I started my company in 2004, um, Automotive Addicts. And, of course, it was just a hobby at that time. And, um, I mean, we uh, kind of went through a transition of, you know, the whole startup business thing and, you know, getting my name out there and everything. But it was very difficult, I think, <laughs> for um, just getting started and especially being, you know, an African-American in the automotive field and everything. But uh, yeah, um, I worked with a software company at the time as well. So that kind of, you know, parlayed some know-how and developing my own website and all that stuff. So everything was self-taught, um, learn how to, you know, program my own site and all that stuff and started from there. And, you know, a few years later, people came to me, it's like, you know, you can actually get paid for this. I'm like, really? For a, for a website? And, you know, back in, you know, the early two, 2000s, that was kind of, you know, the inroads of some of the um, internet world of, you know, um, becoming an entrepreneur and everything. But through that, I was able to, you know, monetize my site, you know, and grow it, um, gain a national presence, um, as well as uh, quite quite some um, worldwide audience as well. But um, yeah, just through that, through the many years, I was able to, you know, secure press cars, you know, I started getting the press pool of reviewing cars instead of going to the dealership was always a hassle, of course. But, um, but yeah, I just, you know, kept at it, being very consistent and everything throughout the years and able to get to where it is now with, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of viewers every month. Well, as you know, the space has changed uh, pretty much. And looking at 2024, where do you see your business model fitting in? You think you're going to have to make some some adjustments? Not necessarily adjustments. Um, I think with the advent of AI has been a big thing recently in exploring that and seeing what capabilities and how it fits into our business model and everything. I think that might be a plus as well. Uh, we've just been playing around with it just here recently. But um, I think that's a big thing, too. And that's probably on everybody's mind, too, where that's going to go with, you know, people and actually replacing humans or not or how that's going to play out. But in the automotive world, it's it's quite interesting. Of course, you know, AI can't generate anything off of a car review because, you know, you actually have to drive the car. <laughs> so 
But um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes and how that plays into our business as well. Um, but like I said, we're just you know at the infancy of it, just playing around with it, especially some of the images. I think that's kind of kind of neat in a way, especially playing with some of the automotive in- images. I don't know if anybody here has done any of that yet, but it's pretty pretty intriguing, pretty neat. I haven't I haven't looked at the images, but I've played a little bit around with the text. Right now we have I think there's CES that's going on. And yes, since Dave and and, Vegas, and yeah. since and since Dave didn't remind me, let me put <laughs> let me interrupt our conversation with Malcolm right quick and, <laughs> and get into the uh Nac toy. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Nac toy winners for, for this year. We have the Ford Super Duty ended up being the truck of the year the kia ev9 the utility vehicle of the year toyota prius and the prius prime the hatchback i don't know how they got both of those in there as uh one hatchback but they did and now who was the hat who was the, who was the prius. car of the year was was it the prius. Prius? prius was the the car of the year right yeah car of the year. oh okay EV9 utility vehicle of the year. But anyway, that's that's that. Dave, you didn't remind me. I hold that. Uh, well, I, I was going to hold that against you. Uh, are you going to open it to a comment or conversation? Yeah. About? If you if you choose to, I would like for you to first let's uh, talk with Malcolm since he is our special guest today well, and we can have him yes. chime in. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I was. Somewhat surprised, but not surprised. I have not driven the EV9 in full transparency. Um, that's one I haven't. I'm sure a lot of people haven't yet either. Um, but that's an intriguing one. But the Prius, I can't speak about. Um, that was, I think that was when I thought would win um, originally after driving it. I had the Prius Prime for a couple of weeks. And that was a very interesting car, um, especially, I think it's a nice gateway into the electrification of, of vehicles as well. I'm sure you guys can agree with me there. But um, that... Um, I think Toyota has done well with making, um, as I say, transportation appliances. But <laughs> but um, uh, the Prius has definitely come a long way, and I think it's mainly with the performance aspects of the Prius have been a major plus for them as far as breaking into other you know demographics and everything. So um, that I will say. Um, as far as the Ford Super Duty, uh, I didn't quite see that one coming, but um, I'm not that surprised um so pretty pretty uh i guess workhorse for the brand i guess you could say number one selling vehicle around f-series but um but yeah that was that was a pretty good choice dave you have some comments well i uh am uh fully on board with uh malcolm and his uh, thoughts on the prius i think uh the prius is an absolutely home run i've driven both uh, the, the plug-in variant, as well as the, the regular uh, Prius. Uh, given the dearth of sedans in today's automotive market, anyone, any sedan that's competent and, and carefully designed and executed is a win. Uh, this thing is actually fun to drive in combination with 50 miles per gallon. And I just think that's a one-two punch that is hard for any other four-door or two-door sedan to uh, equal or exceed. Uh, the EV9 seems to be too new in the marketplace to have an idea. As Malcolm said, he hasn't driven it. I haven't driven it. I think the 50 journalists that constitute the North American car, truck, and SUV of the year have driven it. 
And I doubt that many more have. So to my way of thinking, it would be better to evaluate that after some showroom time than to simply say it's your SUV of the year right now. And uh, a Super Duty F-250, I find heavy duty pickups to be too niche oriented to get a truck of the year accolade, given that generally speaking, they're used by commercial users or they're used by people who think they need 15,000 pounds of towing capacity when in actuality, they're just dropping their kid at school. Uh, I'm all about the light duty pickups being considered and in that category. I would not pick a heavy duty pickup to get that, <coughs> excuse me, that mass accolade, if you will, that a truck of the year constitutes. So, so that's where I'm at. Right. Well, you know, I, I looked at those awards and one of the things I saw was, okay, Ford was able to get their super duty out there early enough that not only were the jurors able to get some seat time in it and, you know, crawl through it and so forth, but they hit the right spot. Think about it. Who else in either the half ton or the even the light duty segment had a vehicle that journalists were able to get some seat time in before uh, the nominations closed? So timing was everything for Ford with the Super Duty. Uh, and we know Ford builds good trucks. You know, that's been their bread and butter for so long that I had black hair when they when they stopped doing that before they stopped doing that. Uh, I looked at the Prius. And Dave, you touched on something I think where a lot of us are missing. The Prius looks like a real car now. It's like something you don't mind being seen in. The original design of the Prius, while it was somewhat eye-catching and occasionally polarizing, my big complaint was that god-awful bar they used to have across the back window that blocked your rear vision. Uh, and having driven the Prius uh, sedan, I was like blown away by the comfort, uh, by its handling, and obviously that fuel efficiency is like, yeah, now we're talking. Um, as we try to wean ourselves off of internal combustion engines, this I think is a demonstration of Toyota's expertise in getting us from point A to point D and it gently going through B and C without you know tripping over our shoelaces. So I will take my hat off to Toyota for that. As for the yeah. EV9, you know, they're going to have competition from the guys from Vietnam real soon. So it's going to get interesting. It's nice to be the first one out there. But uh, when the Vietnamese get here, they're going to have some problems at first. But I think they're going to be serious players in that big three row EV category. Yeah, I find it a little hard to give a vehicle an award when a lot of people haven't driven it, especially automotive journalists. And I agree with Dave about the Super Duty being in a specialty class. Uh, I don't know, you know, how many truck manufacturers uh, make something like that, but you're, it's almost like an exclusive type category. And I've had the opportunity to drive both the Prius and the Prius Prime. And I mentioned to Toyota, I said, you know, you finally took the ugly out of that car. And a lot of people now <laughs> are paying attention to it. <laughs> And it, you know, it's, it's a good size vehicle. It's a sedan, good, good space on the inside, nice ride and handling. But the first thing somebody sees when they look at an automobile is the exterior. And that car did not have for years, any, any kind of design that most people would want to pay any attention to. It, it was not, it was an eye catcher, but in the wrong direction, as far as I'm concerned. 
But right now we have CES going on, and I don't know whether you've been, you all have been following that. And back to you, Malcolm. Have you ever attended CES, or do you pay more, pay a lot of attention to CES? I have not actually attended before, um, but I have paid a close attention to it, especially you know down my alley. I went to school for computer science, and um, that's you know like kind of geek out of some of the stuff they come out with, but especially around the automotive world with. Like I, get, like I said, going back to AI, you know, artificial intelligence being a, a ma major driver, if you will, of what's going on in the automotive world. And I think we're going to see a lot of things, you know, come to the market, you know, from, you know, birth out of AI. And I guess it can be scary for some people. And then, then again, you know, some of us, it might really help some folks, you know. So, but, um, but yes, yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of the major manufacturers, especially like Volkswagen, you know, Mercedes-Benz. Are really you know um, going ahead full full steam ahead with the AI stuff, so that's going to be very interesting to try out and test out. You know when we start seeing it really rolled out in you know uh, vehicles that we get on your on your site in your test drives. You do mostly text reviews, or have you started including videos, or have you already always included videos? So I've always gone to text. Um, we. I dove into to videos um, during COVID just because I guess some of the downtime, not driving around as much, but um, figured I'd drive the press cars, you know, and play around some video. And that was a whole interesting experience with um, going into video. It's a lot, lot involved, a lot more than I thought would be involved just because of the standards have been so high, you know, with some of the channels that are out there, you know, I mean, you got the Doug DeMuros and even um, Mark Marquez Brownlee, you know, with, He's getting into automotive stuff with his uh, tech reviews, but um, you know it's it's very interesting to see the, to see the quality and the you know stuff people put out now. But then again, it kind of goes back to you know if they're a diehard car enthusiast or not, which is kind of telling in some of the videos. You know, nothing against any of them, but you know they just don't have that. Some don't have that background reference of you know old automotive history and stuff. And I guess it kind of shows in some of the videos, but it's um, but yeah, it, the video thing is. I mean, it's here to stay. Um, I'm thinking about maybe getting back into it, but like I said, it's just so time consuming. It's a lot involved. My hats off to people that do it. It's it's a lot of work. Well, Dave, Dave, Dave can agree. <laughs> Dave can agree with you about the video and the tech situation. What's <laughs> well, your thought to Dave? The, the publisher of Texas Garage, Adam Moore, is the video guy, and uh, I'm more than happy to leave it to him. I just uh, I like putting words to the, the printed page, uh, if I can use that phrase, and uh, I'll uh, leave it at that. Auto Network Reports is my one moment during the week in which I can do video that I can see myself and doesn't require me to edit at all. Requires a lot of editing on the part of Roosevelt, but not myself. Yeah, I've, I've uh, like I say, I, I love technology and I've always loved technology. You know, I taught myself to shoot video I don't consider myself a, a uh, professional videographer. Uh, I think I can hold my own uh, with a lot of people out there. And the reason I can say that is when you're shooting for YouTube, it's a totally different shoot than what Greg would do for TV. And YouTube is a lot more forgiving. The audience is a lot more forgiving, Malcolm. So you don't have to be the professional. You don't have to have that slick look for TV. You don't have to wear makeup like Greg does. When you're, when you're on camera so you can you can uh, not be 
the slick, the polished, and people will still watch your content, especially if they've been reading your text reviews where you've been doing a great job there and building up an audience. You can take your camera and just point it at yourself. But most of the time, I like to shoot just the car. It's not about me. I, I look at it, it's about the vehicle. And I remember having a conversation when I met uh, Joe, no, uh, Rady for the first time. And we were talking. I said, yo, you on camera, man. You're talking about this is a bumper. Everybody knows this is a bumper. He said, yeah, I remember Roosevelt. I have to give him the background on that bumper. That's what the difference is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, before we go too far down that line, <laughs> I'm naturally beautiful. I don't need makeup. <laughs> uh, but awesome. thank you for the compliment about the level of work. And I think one of the things is we're all trying to tell stories, we're trying to tell about something we love, which are vehicles and mobility. Um, and you have to decide who your audience is. Is it the hardcore techie who wants to do deep dives into how many millimeters of a gap there is between one part or another? Or is it for the guy who's just got a stroke to check every month and wants to know what am I getting if I buy this or invest in this vehicle? So, I mean, there's space for all of us. Uh, and I don't no, mean to I, cut you off. I don't mean to cut you off, Greg, but I am. And you're talking about people and stories. We have a, <laughs> we have a pop in here, Kermotney Rollins. <laughs> Dr. K. Automotive, automotive Rhythms. He had to jump in. He heard Malcolm was going to be on here. He said, hey, man, I got to stick my head in the door at least to say hi to the brother. What's right, happening, right. K? Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year. Now, now, Kermotney, tell us exactly why you are here. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> but, um, next week is the Washington Auto Show. Uh, Media Day kicks off on uh, Thursday the 18th. And as usual, we partner with the um, the show for our 20th year, and we have our Automotion exhibit. So for this particular set, this is the eighth annual Automotion. Every, every so often, we come up with a new idea a new philosophy something entertaining to give back to the show um so art in motion is a constellation of uh art cars that we wrap and then we have our local artists uh paint the cars live throughout the 10 days of the show um so it's real exciting for the families the kids um car enthusiasts car lovers um we have integ i mean we have acura and the new uh integra type s we have uh uh, Hyundai, Toyota, Kia, and there's one more that we'll be painting live. And then around that, we have 45 custom cars from various categories. So we got import tuners, um, we have classic rides, we got exotics, um, and then we have uh, a few monster trucks. So we basically want to give the people a little bit of everything, all different type of auto enthusiasts, like in one area dubbed automotion and then we'll have fashion we'll have uh art galleries where people can purchase some of the art from the um the local painters and then of course you got to have djs right because everybody like dancing at car shows <laughs> so now that's an auto show in itself you're going to have your own pavilion <laughs> We're going to have our own pavilion, like 60 cars total. Yep. Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, and every every year it grows, right? And um, right. when we first started out, it was an anomaly. And then it became a major attraction. And then the show started promoting it as one of the key exhibits. And it just took on a life of its own. So, you know, now the people are checking for it. They're looking for automotion. So 
we try to switch it up and bring something new and refreshing every year. Um, like, the, like the custom cars, we always swap them out. We don't have the same vehicles every time. And in fact, we're even doing a uh, an unveil on um, on the, the on the evening event. Um, Ducati has a new bike that's paired with um, a Lamborghini, um, and the customer bought both of them. So we'll be unveiling that from our display um, uh, Thursday evening. So just just more excitement, you know. Just great. Hey, come man, that's, coming up with I, that makes me want to be back in the DC areas for stuff like that. See. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, you did you did something like that when you first started with Cars and Coffee, right? Yeah, so I, I failed to mention that I started my um, Cars and Coffee here in Jacksonville about 17 years ago, and um, just recently, I guess a few years ago, I handed it off to one of my best buddies. It's now Caffeine and Octane off of the show um, in Atlanta, but um, it's still still going strong here in Jacksonville. But yeah, that that was a that was a neat endeavor. Um, I enjoyed it for many many years. I just got stressed out with it at the end of it with people misbehaving and. You know, kind of, kind of thought about my insurance only goes so far. You know, somebody gets hurt or whatever. So, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's a good thing. I mean, the community outreach, and I've met so many people and network with so many people, and you know, that's you know afforded me to do do well in life. You know, with just networking with folks, and you meet so many people at cars, cars and coffee events. I mean, all all types of folks. You know, but um, but yeah, that's that's always been a fun thing, and you know, I I always commend people, and you know. My brother come out and he just, you know, doing his thing with, you know, reaching out to people. And that's what it's all about. You know, cars in general brings people together, you know, no matter where you come from, what you have or whatever. You know, it's a it's a common ground. I think we need more more these days anyway. So great. But yeah. Mind you, you can hang around or you can jump out. I know you're busy. You're a busy brother. But I just want to let you tell everybody what was happening this weekend rather than me trying to stumble through it. So, <laughs> yeah, actually, absolutely. I'm going to jump off because I actually got another meeting, but okay. um, like Malcolm said, man, it's like, it's, it's always good when you create experiences for the people, but it's also from an entrepreneur standpoint, it's very challenging. It's very difficult, you know, putting in the legwork, the energy, the hours, you know, so likewise, I commend other entrepreneurs in this industry who like, you know, you know, form, um, and experience and execute it and activate it and keep it going on, keep it on going. Because once you do, then the community is going to be looking for it. So you always want to make sure you're ready to give them something exciting. And um, I'm always about collaboration. We can't accomplish anything without collaboration. And when you have partnerships that are longstanding and you can fuel them and then it just branches off into these different entities and then those entities create lives of its own. It's a beautiful thing, you know, so for me in this auto industry, uh, you know, especially representing, you know, black media and, and African-American journalists and trying to get more females in the business. Like I've always been that person to take on that challenge. And, you know, I just want to see it through and then I can pass on the torch and then create something else and keep that going. So I appreciate it, brothers, for the love and the energy and the respect. Hey, man, enjoy the show. Take care. Tell everybody hi up there. All right. One love. All right. All right, man. Dave, you got to you got to get over there, man. This, oh, I will. You go to the DC show, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the media day on uh, that Thursday afternoon. I, I'm not sure that I'll get back beyond that, but uh, I'll certainly do that. Like uh, other media days across the country, it's a little bit thin, uh, just by <laughs> virtue of the fact that I think uh, members of the media are a little bit thin. But right. uh, Commodity's Art in Motion—that's a really nice initiative. I uh, typically kick those tires 
in combination with uh, my visit to the show. And, uh, you know, we've touched on periodically uh, the lack of excitement on the part of both uh, the industry and the organizers with respect to today's auto show environments. And this preceded COVID and it's had kind of a tough time rebounding post-COVID. Well, to my way of thinking, if more auto show organizers would approach it like a cars and coffee, we want to bring some neat things. We want people to attend that enjoy what they're looking at. And we'll just create this conversation, you know, within the context of 50,000 square feet of convention center. And I think if more people, the OEMs, as well as the dealers, as well as the spectators would approach it that way, hell, let people bring their uh, dogs and girlfriends, you know, I mean, which is what a cars and coffee attracts. You get all ages, you get people out who are there to enjoy what they're seeing and talk to people about it. And uh, to my way of thinking, that would be transformative if people want to take the automotive show format and give it a kick in the butt. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, David. I'm, you know, when uh, being on the board at Amelia Island Concord here, um, um, right outside of Jacksonville. But I was on the board there for um, several years, but I was always wondering where the future of car shows would go, you know, and like you said, it does need a kick in the butt as far as being more exciting and, you know, more uh, grabbing and reaching more demographics, you know, outside right. of what's normally going there. So it, I think that's definitely something a lot of manufacturers and, you know, um, hosts need to look at and improve upon to see what people really want to what really attracts them and not only just the bottom dollar of selling cars, but just gaining, you know, the, the base of, you know, people's interests, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of things going on in the automotive world that are changing. And, you know, a lot of people come to me and ask me all these questions and, you know, I try to teach them and tell them, you know, about like electric vehicles, for instance, but, you know, I think we just need to do a, they need to do a better job of, you know, auto shows in general are going to die out, unfortunately. Yeah, if you can't keep car makers excited, they're auto shows for my sake. And as I've said before, if they can't get excited about the format, who the hell else is going to? It's kind of ridiculous. Absolutely. I think you're going to see, and I'm sure that's probably been going on for years, but we just don't hear a lot of hear a lot about it. You're going to find a lot of auto dealers that are doing events like this. I know when I was in Northern Virginia, there were quite a bit of dealer groups that did do some things like when when they spend a whole lot of time talking about child safety seats, there used to be programs that one of the uh, big auto dealer groups in, in the DC area held at least once a year where they had people coming out and teaching them how to install child safety seats properly. They could bring their family friends. They would serve hot dogs, hamburgers and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't a whole lot about talking about the cars, even though they mm -hmm. had a lot of their cars obviously out there for display, but it was more, around education like how to properly install a child safety seat and what malcolm was saying about evs we talk about it all the time ev training is in dire need of some serious help um, i think even salespeople at dealerships don't fully understand the difference of the difference between a hybrid the plug-in hybrid and the totally electric complete electric vehicle and I know that from talking to some of them. So it's not like we make this stuff up. And if they're confused and they're supposed to be selling it, imagine what the consumer is going through. And they talk about it all the time. We could probably do a whole show on just that something as simple as that, you know, how to install 
or how to charge an EV at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, mean, <laughs> I think Chris was on. He was talking about well, you know, I was charging my my EV at home, and I I didn't know that the, the nozzle or the, or the whatever you call it, like I said, I'm I don't even know what the terminology is, but the plug that it had an adjustment on it where you could in, where you could adjust the speed. Yeah, I mean one the, of the things about that ahead. is the technology for some folks is a bit overwhelming. Um, like Kamatni and a few other folks, I recently invested in a level two charger at the house. But you're right, it's about the education process and changing the way our muscle and mental memory works about how we you know, make our vehicles go. Traditionally, it's go to the gas station, plug it in, you know, put the pump in there, squeeze off 10 to 15 gallons worth, go on about our business, as opposed to having a charger at home, you plug the car in at night, and the next morning you get a full charge ready to go. Uh, but I think there's a sweet spot there for that kind of EV education. And some of it could take place at a cars and coffee or caffeine and octane type event uh, where you've got folks who have actually got the time to listen and learn. Uh, so, I mean, I, I see all of this coming together and I agree with Dave that we got, you got to give these things a kick in the butt to get people more interested because we also have a generation of folks coming along who think the only thing the car is good for is Uber service. And as we get past that, you know, and I always argue, they say that now, but when they get into their 30s and start having families and, you know, kids running around, got to go here, there and the other, then all of a sudden they're panicking because they have no idea what's really going on in the mobility space in terms of personal transportation. There's an opportunity there. The question is, how does the industry and how does we as journalists, how do we make sure that that information is right in front of them so that it's easy for them to understand and make the transition going forward? Yeah. Greg, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead, Malcolm. I was saying, Greg, Greg's absolutely right. Um, it's just such a challenge. I think we have so much work to do as, on that front. Um, I don't know if, if we've done a disservice to the public or manufacturers or what what it may be, but it's you know you have a new generation come along that you know they're all on their cell phone, you know, and that's all they know, and you know half of them don't. Well, more than half of them don't even want to drive. You know, look at my daughter; she just turned 16. We <laughs> just got her car. Fortunately for her, she is in the cars because it's all my fault. But um, you, most of her friends say, you know, they don't want to drive. They have a fear of driving, you know, they have no interest at all. And I think, you know, if we let that continue, unfortunately, we're going to lose, you know, the enthusiasm for, you know, being an uh, automotive enthusiast. And, you know, there goes the, the car shows and everything with it. And but I, I, I'm not I don't have the answer as far as how you educate people on, you know, what's coming. But. I mean, this stuff is coming down the line. You know, EVs are coming. You know, it's something we really can't fight right now. So we got to find some way of reaching folks and letting them know, you know, this is how you do that or how you charge your car or whatever. Malcolm, what did you buy your daughter? A Mazda CX-30. Excellent. Did, did you buy it new or pre-owned? Actually, funny enough, we bought it new. Um, only reason because the pre-owns cost just as much as the new cars. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, we were fortunate enough to find that. And, you know, of course, I know a lot of the dealers here, <coughs> manufacturers, and able to get a pretty good deal. But yeah, she's very, very happy with it. Um, we, she should be. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a very, very nice car. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, funny. Um, I mean, not many people know this, but I, I got her an older Lexus at first had like 200,000 miles on it or whatever. And she didn't take too, too like too much liking to it. And, you know, I told her, she was very fortunate for her. She was very grateful, you know, and thankful for, you know, having a car at all. I'm sure many of us started with the old beater or whatever, but, um, 
but yeah, I just thought about it and mulled over it. I was like, you know, we'll get us something a little safer and, you know, and, you know, with, of course, being brand new, she's very, very fortunate in that, very rare to see a kid that age get, get a brand new car. But yeah, she's very, very happy with that. So. Well, good, good. Sounds nice. Yeah. You know, we, we have to, a lot of this technology that's out there, we have to simplify it, simplify the technology. It's not yeah. as hard as people think it is. Just like Malcolm, you were talking about video and editing, uh, going back to AI, there are AI tools and I use an AI tool like after the show tomorrow, I'll take the show and drop the video in an AI tool and it'll cut this video up into 60 second spots in vertical format that people are used to. So if you see yourself out there, Malcolm, by yourself talking about your daughter, buying your daughter a car, you know where it came from. <laughs> but, <Got> it. <laughs> but we can, you know, we have to do things that, that interest the younger people. And they're now vertical video, 60 seconds, 15, 20 seconds they're interested in. And you can pack, and I found you can pack a lot of information in 60 seconds or 30 seconds, staying focused on a, on a single point. And that's what vertical does. It it gets it focuses your mind on exactly what you're talking about or exactly what you're showing. There is no distraction with the, like a cinematic screen where you have everything else going on around you. But but going back to the manufacturers, they have to spend more time working with the dealers and making sure the dealers train the sales force to accurately describe how these products work, how the technology works. I think they may have to go to setting up delivery people in dealerships like some of the luxury brands have done in the past where you had a delivery person that took the car to a separate location and went over to everything about the automobile with you. I think now with thirty dollars and $40,000 cars, which most people now will be paying that much money for, there's so much technology packed in them that they're going to have to take on the same type of approach and have specialists just set aside to show a person all the bells and whistles when they take the liver of an automobile and yeah. it, and it built and it builds you know it builds bust better customer service well yeah i was gonna say i a good friend of mine has been selling bmws in dallas for 40 some years now and that bmw store he works at has specialists the, the quote-unquote genius that will deliver the car. And the kicker is a delivery, if you're going to explain everything, probably takes 90 minutes today. An hour of that is the dashboard. So uh, it makes great sense to let a specialist do it and let the salesman go on and sell something else. But uh, but that's not been widely adopted, I don't think, but it should be. Right. Yeah. Well, Malcolm, I want to thank you for your time. Any final comments? You want to let any, anything special you want other people know about automotive academics other than you're a drug addict now? But Oh, automotive addicts. Uh, I mean, I just keep on chugging along, and um, hopefully you guys can visit the site, automotiveaddicts.com, and check out some of the stuff we're doing. Uh, but, yeah, we're always trying to innovate and find, you know, different ways of doing things. Like I said, with AI on board, we're, you know, experimenting with that and see where that takes us and some of the stuff we do. But, uh but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and hopefully we can be on um, in the future and, you know, have a good time talking about cars and stuff. So I appreciate it. Hey, you have an open invitation. Come back anytime you choose to. You can pop in. Let me know. I'll send you the awesome. link. Kamani just didn't drop in. I had to send him the, send him the link. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, again, I want to thank all of you watching the live presentation, our live podcast. Like I said earlier, it's an award-winning podcast, and Greg can attest to that now. He received a copy, <laughs> his, his award <laughs> for the show. And as always, please buckle up, don't drink and drive. Buckle up, don't text and drive. See you next time.